you really will like this one. You know, you sit and you have a little muse. And I wasn't expect exactly musing before the Lord, but I was sort of saying to him, I've lost all my prettiness, it's gone. You know, I've lost all, I've lost all my beauty, I'm saying. You're know, sitting up there one morning, you know, because age and wrinkle. And he said, not to me, you haven't. And I cried. <laughs> oh, you are lovely. The Lord looks upon the heart. He does not look on the outward appearance. And the earring caught up in the thing of me. Anyway, judging. That can, that's uh, careful how you think about others. We've covered it already a bit. Every time we judge, it's the fruit of pride. Every time we criticise, it's the fruit of pride. Every time we show disrespect, it's the fruit of pride. One little example came to me um, is disrespecting someone. I'm like, you know, you disrespecting my family. Um, is ignoring people when they speak because it's beneath you to answer. Some people do that, you know. You'll say to them something and they just don't answer. That's pride. For whatever reason, they don't want to respond. So you ask again, and, and then you get a tetchy answer, don't you? Mm -hmm. But that's pride operating in them. So our actions originate in our thoughts, so be careful what you think. I can't think this week what I thought last week. Um, because in the... In the uh, someone said it to me yesterday, I think, or the day before. Repentance has got to go on all the time then. Yes. Because when you understand what repentance means, which is changing your mind and heart towards God, your life will be a constant repentance. I spoke to someone, um, I don't know him, I, I don't know, um, I won't mention the name on the tape, but uh, he, he could maybe come from um, a Pentecostal church in Dartford, I'm not sure. Um, he lives in Erith. So maybe it doesn't, but it's, it's definitely Pentecostal. And it's, it's uh, in problems of various sorts. And um, I, I, I said, he wanted to know if I've got any teaching. And I said, look, I, I need to know where you are. I can't just plomp in some teaching, you know. Oh, well, um, I've been Christian 25 years and I'm, I'm, um, I believe in the four square gospel. I thought. Wait a minute, four square gospel cranks the mind back 25 years and thinks, that used to be something they used to say, the four square. So the four square was, you know, um, I'm a sinner, saved for grace, Jesus died for me on the cross, uh, you know, and, and I'm going to heaven sort of thing. And I thought, and that is as far as it goes. <laughs> but from that, I could see where he was coming from, that, no basis, no no basic understanding at all. And the Lord sounds as though he's laid him aside, as he said. He's been dealing with me. Um, he said for the last seven weeks he's been um, dealing with me about various things in my life. And my wife and I said we've both been repenting. Probably mean confessing, but we didn't go into that. Um, I don't know where I was going on that one. Um, but... It, no? That's it. Thank you. It's a lifestyle, and it's changing. That's it. Changing our thinking all the time. So here he's been saved twenty-five years ago, but bless him, there's little or no growth because nobody's ever explained or given him 
And I said, it's no good me staffing you with theology if that's, you know, like a sticky one to Roger Price. But we need both. We need the practical, like the Graham Cook type of teaching and this sort of teaching, uh, Joyce Mayer type of teaching, and the theology as well. You need both in order to put your feet down in the right place. Because otherwise, if you don't know what you believe that you believe about anything, um, where, where man's mind goes, man goes, as, as uh, Joyce May would say. And I think she's got a, or did have a set of tapes, never got them, where man's mind goes, man goes. And that is exactly it. Where you think will take you where you go. So if your mind is focused on your bridegroom, it will take you all the while to him. As I said when I started, if it's focused on anything else, he's jealous for you, he's going to do anything, he's going to put all sorts of obstacles in your way until he gets your eyes on him. Because he can't let you have what you want until you've got your first commandment first. And it isn't an onerous thing. Because he will draw your heart in such a way but you will love him because even through the discipline. I think someone said this morning, you said this morning, Sue, didn't you? When you've just gone through a time of being corrected by the Lord, you think this is brilliant because it's, it's yielding the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So he said, do what you like, Lord, and then down comes another load. And you think, what did I say that for? <laughs> Tim, I was speaking to him the other night. He said, I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, I will wait patiently in this place that you've got me, um, but could you cause me to enjoy today? He said, I've had the worst day I've ever had. <laughs> I said, he can't spell. <laughs> That's what it is. Because he he's anxious to be out and doing, doing what I don't know, but anxious to be out and doing. Champing and chomping because he's now got the wedding over and he's got his house nearly sorted, so now he's wanting to get back on the whatever God wants. But I said, You're in training, allow the place that you're in to train you for whatever he's got. So, whatever place you're in, it's your training for what he's doing. And guess what? If you don't pick up on what he's training you, you go around it again and again. You think, I recognize that station, I've been around here before, I've just seen it. So, a good thing to do, and uh, I, I just say it, make a list of your faults and your weaknesses. <laughs> Look it over real good, and then decide to be patient with other people, because what you will see is the very thing that you criticise in someone else is what you've got a galloping case of, probably. <laughs> I have found this so often. Sometimes it takes a long time to see it. it yeah. Some it's things take a little longer than others, that's right. Because the criticism keeps you blind. Yeah. Under the Holy Spirit. That's it. Yeah, it's it does. And, 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 and when you realise you're speaking or thinking critical thoughts and you suddenly start to say, I'm not having that thought. I'm not thinking it. Well, that is really taking your thoughts captive. Um... I'm not sure if I said this last week, but it bears saying again. While I was preparing this um, this thing for um, uh, the sex, sexuality, and uh, morality thing, I was bombarded with sexual thoughts, pictures, 
horrible stuff. So I sort of fought um, them in the only way I knew at that time, which was to say, you know, um, I'm, I'm not going to think that thought. I'm going to, I'm going to praise the Lord. I, I, I was trying everything, and then one evening it was going on at a pace there, and the Holy Spirit said, "You can give them to me." Is this? I came out of the bathroom. And I was going into my bedroom. And I said, "Oh Lord, thank you." I just give you that thought, gone. Mm. Take every thought captive to Christ. You take it captive to Christ. So if you're beset with nasty thoughts, things that you're not asking for at the time when you least expect it, just give it to him. Because he said, I took it on the cross. Because he knows the stuff of which we're made and the thought almost gives birth to the, you know, um, and sometimes your body reacts to what's going on in your mind and you're thinking, it's getting worse by the minute. I'm depraved and I'm going downhill. Well, yes, you are depraved, but you could arrest it. <laughs> and I thought, that is a real key. That is so lovely, Father. Thank you. So where it says, take every thought captive to Christ, you can do it. Lord, you take that. Because what actually happens is you think, hey, I mustn't have that thought. If the Lord knows I'm having that thought, you know, I'm going, oh, God. This is what the enemy does to you, puts the thought in your mind and then says, whoop, you better not have that thought. That'll have you off your horse. But that's the way to do it. Give it to him. So, humble people, empty people. Lovely one, this. 1 Kings 4, 1 to 4. Somebody's pinch kings. Kings for sorry, I thought this is not one Kings for I have no. There we go. Miracle of the increase of the widow's oil. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbours, empty vessels, don't go, gather just a few. And when you come in, you shall shut the door behind you, you and your sons, and then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she stated, I'm empty, I've got nothing. She had nothing of value in her house, as it were. And then God began to use her for other people because what she had was oil that she could sell to other people. So the, the, the sort of lesson in this is that humble people are empty of their own works and plans. While you've still got an agenda floating about in there, um, you've got the old Eros because one of the Eros giants is an agenda. 
You've got your own agenda for how you want your life to work out. And it's very subtle because you think you have every right to have an agenda. Uh, no, because you are no longer your own. You are bought at a price. You actually belong to someone else. You never belong to yourself in the first place. You belong to the enemy. And you did just exactly what he provoked you to do. I can't remember the scripture. Um, but it speaks. It's almost you were once in darkness, but now you're children of light. Um, we didn't realise when we were under the thrall of Satan that we were doing his will. We didn't realise that by doing whatever we were doing, and I was doing plenty, was doing the will of Satan to destroy me. But once you come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you come into a different kingdom. We can bandy these words about and not understand what we mean. A kingdom has got a king. Satan was king of the kingdom, where small k, uh, where you were before. Jesus is Lord and King of where you are now. You get to choose which kingdom you're going to live in. And you either feed the old ear or serpent, or you feed the new nature of the Son of God, which is the fruit of the Spirit. All these fruit are the nature of God. That's what these are. If you look at these, you can see what God is like. They are the fruit of His Spirit. They're not the fruit of your spirit. They're not your fruit. Some people say, I've got joy licked, you know, now I'm working on patience. No, because the fruit is not coming off of your old tree. It's coming off of the new that is within you. So you get to choose which one you manure, if you like. Where are you going to put your grow more on? And the grow more is your will. You're either going to be operating in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. We've said it before, haven't we? When you're with someone that is absolutely dragging you down, they're just talking to you, and something is being sucked out of the insides of you, you're getting death ministered to you. They're carnal, and they're sucking the spiritual life out of you by all their chat and whatever it is they're talking about. On the other hand, you be with someone who is in the spirit, talking about the things of the Lord, you're feeling something rising up within you there is life being ministered to you and you're actually feeling that life coming into you pumping up and you're feeling good because what's coming across is kingdom of light stuff not kingdom of darkness if I suddenly changed gear and started talking about the price of cabbages and uh, what my son had been getting up to and just generally drizzling on about stuff you'd start to think oh if you're not thinking that already but you would, you'd start to feel drained. And you can, f you can actually feel it because the more you walk in the light, the more the darkness is shown up and the darkness will be apparent in someone else that you come to. So it's up to you to steer it round into the light, not be sucked into their darkness. Don't let them suck you into that darkness. You have a choice. And sometimes it's not easy. You know, someone wants to come to you and start gossiping about something. You've got to say, I'm sorry, if you're going to start talking about someone, I've got to stop this now. I had to do this years ago at the fellowship and it was not popular. Because I knew that the person was about to give me an ear full of negativity about someone else. Can't allow ourselves to hear it. 
whether you think it will take root or not, it will, because you'll start to see that other person in a different light because of what's been fed in here. I largely close my ears if people are talking about things. I just close them so that it's, it's just... I'm not going to let it come in and influence me. I really have to be quite strict about what I will allow in here. Because I could get tossed about, you know, by everything. But I cannot be, I must hear what God is saying. So it comes back again, you stay focused. Everything comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. Have you ever thought that God doesn't make a shadow? No shadow. He is complete light. There is absolutely not a speck of darkness in him. That's why the closer we get, the more things get shown up. The more he deals with it. He draws us into his marvellous light and then points out the flaws and the blemishes and we're going, ah, can I cover myself with something? Uh, Sarah was saying it was it, everything had started to kick off for her since the um, entering in weekend when she came and of course she opened herself up big time to the Lord and now he's in there he's saying excuse me there's this darkness in here can we deal with this you know. so the closer you get don't hang on to your dirt there's a place for it don't, don't hang on to it oh, who was I seeing the other day somewhere I can't remember now and I said, well, that's the second dust cart that's gone off. And they said they'd seen something. I forget the name of the word that they used, but they'd seen, you know, all this tripe being carted off. It's got to be a relief to get rid of your blackness. Because we're children of light. We live in the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. But we're familiar with darkness. We feel more comfortable in darkness. Because that's where we've lived our lives. We're like maggots. We're more comfortable. Take the lid off and the maggots all start going, ah! Because the lights come. They don't like it, do they? Mm. Humble people empty of their own works and plans like that lady with the oil. And they only know God's ways and plans will work. They know that. Only God's way and God's plan will work. I tell you, if you're doing anything in your own strength right now, it won't work. Because he'll make sure it doesn't. He will not let your plans succeed. <laughs> Only his will. Because why? Because there's a reward for the plans that he has for you. To prosper you, not to harm you. Comes back to the uh, cut-out buttocks, doesn't it, of, uh, of Derek Prince. What he was saying there was that we need to get into alignment with the things that God has, has planned in advance for us to do, like it says in Ephesians. God has planned good works in advance for us to do. Why? So that we will get rewards. We're coming back to that again. The whole thing is about rewards. Ephesians 2. This is the whole thing. Um, he doesn't, as I said, he does not expect us to be perfect um, in terms of sinless perfection. 
he wants us to grow into being perfect in terms of the real word that means in the Greek mature doesn't want us staying babes because he's got purpose for us and he wants us to walk in it so that we might get a reward at the end of the day so what's Paul say about it he said you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins that's another way of putting it this is the scripture I wanted in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of power of the air the spirit who now works in what the sons of disobedience so the people out there who are not born again are sons of disobedience we don't want to be disobedient we don't want to be rebellious do we among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others so we were by nature living in the flesh and being followed, following the desires of our own mind like the lady with the phone call this morning she'd no sooner gone through that tremendous victory of her sister than immediately the enemy was in there with a temptation and Graham calls the, the enemy God's sheepdog though he little knows it we can blame the enemy for whatever we like but the fact is God allows him the fact is God allows the enemy to do the things he does in our lives for a purpose yes he will come and he will tempt you but he doesn't make you do it yes he will cause you to tr want to trip up and go another way but you don't have to do it he's God's agent there to, to test you to, to make you walk make the right choices that's what spiritual warfare is all about is making the right choices hold on you disobedience or obedience it always just comes down to light and darkness flesh or spirit so this bless her this morning this girly um, you know I just had to say to her you've got a choice pet really you can be miserable or wait for what God has promised you and if you're waiting don't wait think is this it is this it is this it keep your eyes on him it's the focus it's got to be focused a new condition it says here old condition it said over, over mine here chapter 2 Ephesians 2 old condition dead to God new condition alive to God you were like that now you're like this this is Paul in the whole of the, old, of the, of the New Testament these epistles isn't it don't be like that be like this put off put on do this do that don't do that do this but God who is rich in mercy we've become into the fruit of mercy I think because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together where are you seated today yeah amen whether you feel like it or not that's where you are that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved 
through faith, and that not of yourself, so you can't boast about that. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here we come. For we are his workmanship, his poema. He's writing a poem about your life. It's his poema, workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work it, walk in them. So you, there are good works prepared for you to do in advance. All you need to do is to get in step with them. The Lord has given the land of good things, isn't it? I will mm. press in and make them mine. And what you know, his power and his glory, and in his kingdom I will shine. There is something there you have to do which is pressing in. Patience, perseverance. It's not for wimps, the Christian walk. It really isn't. The further I go on, the more you see, you've always got a decision that you can make. Always presented with decisions, day in, day out, moment by moment. Which way shall I go? There's a war on flesh versus the spirit. So we're aiming, aren't we, to be humble, empty of ourselves, not selfish and self-centered, Empty of judgmental and critical thoughts and attitudes. Just ask the Holy Spirit to catch you when you're about to make a judgment. Because judgment is fallen discernment. We want to be in discernment, not judgment. Sometimes I see things and I'm thinking I'm judging. And I'm going to the Lord and I'm saying, I'm ever so sorry, you know, because I can see this, this and this. And he says to me, well... What do you think it is? Well, I think it's this, this, or this. Well, you think right, as you see right. And I think, oh no, because I don't really want to see that. But it, whenever he shows you something, he doesn't show it to you so that he can say, well, there you are, look at that. What do you think? Wouldn't you have thought that then? Wouldn't you wouldn't have thought anything better of him, would you? That's the natural man would have said that. I was praying about something the other day, and I said, well, I can't, X, Y, and Z. <laughs> this is how my prayer of life goes well I can't X, Y and Z whatever it was he said uh, I can't you can ask me I said really so I started making my list <laughs> please Lord for this one, this one, this one, this one this one, this one, this one I've got a nice long list you know uh, so I've uh, put me in mind of uh, of Graham, you know, it's my specialty. Mm. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> oh, it was a real relief because uh, it was like I was thinking I'd got to do it. Today. I can. Oh, thank you. Don't ever think in your in your wildest dreams that you have arrived anywhere, <laughs> because we're on a journey into the heart of God. Uh, and when we get there to see him face to face, we'll know how far we haven't come, if you know what I mean. But the joys, the delights of pressing in to what he's got for us, it's just far surpasses anything else. So, okay, quickly through the characteristics of the proud. They're independent. They don't think they need anyone. And sometimes that includes the Lord. don't need you. I can do this. Thank you. They love titles, uh, like to have something, you know, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, you know. 
They're rebellious, they do the opposite of what they're told and refuse to submit to authority. They're unteachable, they can't stand to be corrected or to look wrong. They're impatient, they have difficulty being kind to those that are slow or make mistakes. Speak to me, Lord. <laughs> I picked this one up. I've got to be honest, hand up here, I'm impatient. If someone doesn't get it the first time, I'm impatient, so I just recognised what that was. They're quick to speak. They frequently give opinions. They think they know something about everything. And they interrupt frequently. I think I'm on this one as well. They have difficulty letting others talk and difficulty listening. They think what they have to say is much more important than what others have to say. Not nice, is it? <laughs> Just, I mean, but if we're gonna, if we're gonna get there on this walk, um, it's got his pride's got to be dealt with. Really, we just got to say, Father, just show me how it manifests itself. Um, Luke twenty-two, twenty-four to twenty-seven, classic passage. It's the one I think it is. Who's going to be the greatest? <laughs> Here we are then. We, nothing's changed. Here's Jesus about to, to go to the cross. This is the last night. They're doing the celebration of the Passover. He's just given the cup. And he's saying he won't drink of it until the kingdom of God comes. He's telling them, I'm going tomorrow to be crucified. And what are they arguing about? <laughs> Bringing it right down to basics. But there was also rivalry among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you as the one who serves? brilliant thing he says to them in spite of all this he says and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me that you may eat and drink at my table and in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Jesus of Israel I mean it's just incredible there they are arguing absolute carnality right in the pits of it and he says but I'm bestowing on you a kingdom I mean this is this is grace mercy in it, I mean, for goodness sake. And Peter, he was he had a big call on his life, you know, and he had foot and mouth mouth disease, remember, you know, I'll go with you, I'll go with you too. And after that denial of this of Jesus of Jesus uh, where the cock crowed, you know, twice, he was broken because he actually saw himself for what he was and he, when they all um, were gathered on the shore I think Peter tried to hide himself really on the outside edge of the crowd if you imagine it here he is the last thing was this tremendous humiliation where Jesus um, 
said you're going to do this thing and it happened and he was absolutely broken man he went back to fishing and then Jesus says Peter I've got you know can I have a word with you sort of thing can you imagine feed my sheep do you love me you know I feel I owe you Lord that's a, that's a good one three times he says do you love me and he doesn't mean agape he knows he doesn't he says agape do you agape me and Peter says you know I feel I owe you you know, I think you're a great bloke. He's coming from where he can come from at that point. He's recognising what he hasn't got. And, and you know, I mean, some of the, the, the sweetest epistles are those of Peter at the end of the day, at the end of his life. So, somebody came recently and um, it was the people from Trailer Warren. And we wondered how they could come up here and leave the place, you know, for a fortnight or however long they're away. And they've got a young couple staying there for a little while. They've been come there to help them. Uh, but I believe they're, they're passing on, they're moving on now because he's got a place somewhere else. Because to quote him, he said he'd had enough of serving. It was time he went and did something else. Sure sign he hasn't. <laughs> he's not ready for anything else. <laughs> the first thing we have to learn to ser- is, is to learn to serve. The second thing we have to learn is to learn to serve. And the third thing we have to learn is to learn to serve. Because the higher up you go, the more service you're brought into. <laughs> ah, dear, bless his heart. Uh, he had an agenda, you see. He never served in the first place. He was serving because he wanted something. So... That, that's, that was the agenda at the back of his mind. I'll serve here, but really that's what I'm after. It's what happens so often in a church set-up. Someone will come in and they will serve for a while, but then you can see the underlying agenda is to get up there amongst the leadership. That's what they're after. For some, It's the world's thinking in the church, really. Um, it's possible to have a, um, a Babylonian uh, heart. So they say, I've got how it goes. Yeah. Babylonian Christian, heart. Christian mind and a Babylonian heart, that's it. Yeah, you're after the same things as the world is after. We just need to be able to actually look at ourselves and say, guilty, really, because God can do with that. He could do something with that once we say, that's me. He says, well, I'm glad you recognise that. Shall we work on it? You know, this is why it's a constant. Why, why rebellion? It, you, he cannot work with someone who's rebellious. Can't do it. Because, what's he saying, Isaiah? Is it Isaiah 55, 51? Your iniquities have separated you. This is something I was talking to somebody about the other day. That um, quite str- str- strong they were about uh, about not having to um, um, repent or confess or anything. I said, look, 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 look. Uh, you know, if you don't do that, you're separated. It says in the Word of God, your iniquities have separated you. You've got to be so careful not to just take one. 59, 59, okay. Make one part of what God is saying and, 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 and ignore the rest of it. Um, finish on this. As I said to somebody else, this was this. I'll go into 58 because this was a place where God years ago actually convicted me so much 
and you know you know exactly what he's saying when he speaks to you don't you uh, it was Isaiah 58 and I was reading it one morning and he says um, is this not 58.6 is this not the fast I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry, but this was the bit, and that you bring into your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, you cover him, and this bit was the one that really did it, and not hide yourself from your own flesh, because I was having a problem with my mother at the time. And I knew what he was saying, because then he goes on to say, if you take away from the, if you take away the yoke from your midst, in the, in the King James it says, If you take away from the midst of you the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. And it hit me like an arrow. It, 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 my thing says literally the sending out of wickedness. When we're sending out pointing fingers and, and critical judgmental words about other people, this is what we're doing. Uh, and it says, if you do stop doing that, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. It says, always a promise when he's corrected your bad behaviour. And I was so convicted there, I just had to say, okay, Father, what is it I've got to do? That's how the Word of God should actually convict us. A lot of people get mixed up with conviction and condemnation. And they say, oh, I'm in, I was terribly under condemnation. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. You're actually convicted, but you don't know the difference. Because they'll say, I feel guilty. Well, guilt is there to bring you to repentance. Mm, that is why, hello, sweet. That is why you feel guilty. Gonna. So respond to the discipline. If he makes you feel guilty, Father, you know, what have I done? I'm feeling guilty about this. It's to, it's to bring you to repentance. Condemnation is when you feel under judgment about something. Like um, uh, years and years and years ago, um, I can't remember exactly, it was an issue to do with money. Uh, that happened before I was saved and I got this dose of pointed finger and accusation and all these things and I went to David who was my pastor I was in a real state bless him he really had the words of the Lord he said okay was this before you were saved or after I said what well, was before have you asked the Lord's forgiveness for it yes I have he said, it's a dustbin job. Get up and go on your way. <laughs> Just like that. And it went. So I know the difference between conviction and condemnation. This convicted me. Mm. Big time. Big time. I had a dream as well that, that that convicted me. So allow your heart to be soft enough to be convicted. Because he wants to do something about it. Because I've got a promise. Guide you continually. Satisfy your soul in drought. Everybody else is, <laughs> you're satisfied. <laughs> Strengthen your bones. You should be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters don't fail. I want it. 
Those from among you shall build up the waste places, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. There's always a promise with God. His discipline is there to bring us into something better. But I was heading for Isaiah 59, wasn't I? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it can't hear. In other words, he's got his ears open. He wants to help. His hand's not shortened. What stopped it? But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins, two things here, iniquities and sins, have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Unless we keep that clean sheet, that before him a short account he can't hear it's not that he doesn't want to it's that he can't but he always sends his Holy Spirit to convict us so that he can bring us back because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance couldn't repent if he didn't so there have been times when I have said to him I know I should repent but I don't, I don't feel that I, that I want to please release your goodness to give me the ability to repent and guess what he did because it's the goodness of God that leads us to change our minds it's understanding who we are and what we're made of that we can't do anything without him I can't do anything without him desperate I've got a note here to finish with this what sin does Sin, regardless of its degree, and it's missing the mark, it's missing the mark of God's um, ideal for us. If you want to see his ideal, read the Sermon on the Mount. Regardless of its degree, always has an effect. Separation. It separates. Sin separates us from God. This separation from God is death. Adam was told if he ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he would die. He ate the tree and immediately he died spiritually. His soul was separated and he died physically. The entrance of sin into the human race brought with it death. That man is a sinner is proven by the fact that he dies. I remember, I think I've said this to you before when I read in 1 John and it says, if any man says he's not, he's without sin, he's not a sinner, you know, the truth is not in him. And I hadn't long been, <laughs> I hadn't long been a Christian then. So I trip over this. We'll finish with this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's 1 John 1 verse 8. I said, I haven't got any sin. I'm born again. If I've got sin, Lord, you're going to have to show me. Cartland. <laughs> I don't speak from book learning. I speak from, speak from experience. Then thank goodness for verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful, the difference between confession and repentance. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we haven't sinned, we make him a liar and his word isn't in us, just in case we weren't sure. <laughs> now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. These days there's a thing about, oh, that's law. No, it isn't. This thing here is like the, um, 
the maker's manual. You know, any of you have got a car? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Any of you that have got a car, you know, you need the maker's manual if you're going to repair it because it, it everything is specific to the certain type of car you've got. So it's got to be the maker's instructions. This, beloved, is the maker's instructions for how to keep ourselves healthy, wealthy, and wise. Literally, long life, health, wealth, and wisdom. It's all in here. Trouble is, we don't like being told, do we? That's the trouble. Rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child. Hello, children. <laughs> Dare to discipline. That's where we started this morning. Now, by this we know that we know him, if, perhaps we will, perhaps we won't, as Roger Price would say, if and I wish you would. <laughs> if and I know you won't. <laughs> We keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and doesn't keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly, what? The love of God has been completed in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him, ought also, ought himself also to walk, just as he walked. It would be a bit nice to see that in the uh, Amplified, actually, if you've got that, too. Sorry, again. Sorry, it's, uh, uh, 1 John 2, uh, 7 to 11. smell of food leading you off. Beloved, I am writing to you new no new commandment, but an old commandment which you had had from the beginning. The old commandment is the message which you have heard, the doctrine of salvation through Christ. Yet I am writing you a new commandment which is true, is realized in him and in you. Because the darkness, moral blindness, is clearing away and true light, the revelation of God in Christ is already shining. Down to verse 11. Whoever says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, Christian born again, child of God, his father, is in darkness even unto now. Whoever loves his brother, believer, abides, lives in the light and it is or in him. There is no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin. But he who hates, detests, despises his brother in Christ is in darkness and walking, living in the dark. He is straying and does not perceive or know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Okay. That's what it does. It blinds us. So. I remember walking across from the kitchen to the lounge here and it was like like a darkness came over my mind and I said Lord whatever was that and he said you were thinking in the flesh mm. and immediately darkness came into my mind my understanding was darkened and it's a process he wants us to live in the light in here so that it, my thinking could be exposed to you guys and it'll be okay. 
what I'm thinking about you people say to me sometimes I know what you're thinking I'm not thinking anything because I'm, I'm certainly not judging I'm not doing I'm, I'm listening to what the Lord is saying but thinking I'm not I've got a headache <laughs> this is what's coming it is is integrity it says transparency integrity HRT. honesty integrity and transparency we should be known for those three things honesty integrity and transparency spell h-u-m-i-l-i-t-y humility thank you for listening god bless you